0: This Claves Online exclusive podcast is brought to you by Fast Eddie's Air, powered by Ameren, Illinois. From early mornings to late nights, your neighbors are busy creating a better tomorrow. And at Ameren, Illinois, we are accelerating progress. From upgrading natural gas mains in Quincy to expanding substation capacity in Mount Vernon... Learn more at com slash futuregrid. Amron Illinois. Energy at work. Did you know that at Munginass Alton Toyota, you can rent a car? Perfect for any trip you might have planned during the upcoming holiday season. Visit Munginass at AltonToyota.com or call them at 618 618- and set up an appointment to visit Munganass Alton Toyota at 850 Homer Adams Parkway in Alton, Illinois. Mike Clayborn here with Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. And Ryan, I've heard so much about the Hero Loan. Tell me about it. Absolutely. If you're VA eligible, there's no better loan out there. We'll pay for your appraisal and rates are about a full point lower. Apply online today at Hero.Loan. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's clavesonline.com and CamoX Radio. I'm Mike Claiborne and we have a special guest for you today. When we think about so many great memories we have in St. Louis when it comes to pro football, Mike March was part of the Arch- architect's crew that uh, put together the greatest show on turf. As a matter of fact, he was the mastermind of it and we have a chance to visit with him. He's all the way in Idaho these days. He goes back and forth. And first of all, Mike, it's great to hear your voice. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing great, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about what keeps Mike March busy these days. I, I don't know if you're watching games or you're doing the honeydews around the house, so you tell me what keeps Mike March busy.
1: You know, we uh, we have a place in Idaho. We kind of come back and forth, and of course, there's a lot of work on this property up here in the summer to do, but um, I do a podcast uh, on Wednesdays and uh, with Ron Pitts, and it's a lot of fun to do. Of course, you have to for that a little bit, and I stay in touch for the most part with a lot of people in the league and do con- some do some consulting occasionally. But other than that, just kind of everyday Saturday.
0: Yeah, you know I I, I know Pitsy well, and I've, I've heard the podcast. and It sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun, and he knows the game as well as anybody, being uh the son of Elijah and all here and a broadcaster in the game. So I'm sure you guys, uh, from what I've heard, sound like you're having a lot of fun with it.
1: We do. and He does a good job kind of directing us through each hour, and it's a lot of fun to do. He's very knowledgeable, like you said, and, and we just kind of draw on our experiences. The nice thing about it, Mike, is we don't have somebody, a producer, in our ear telling us to wrap it up or go to this or that. We just, It's just kind of a conversation for 50 minutes. It's a lot of fun to do.
0: Yeah, you know, that's the way to go. Uh, we see that happening so much in our business. Just shooting the breeze, just a couple of guys talking and having fun without being on a clock and you know you, you stop when you get tired i guess is the way you look at it so <laughs> with you being retired once a coach always a coach so how much football do you watch today and what do you think of how they throw the ball now compared to just a few years ago when you you were considered a rebel because you were throwing more than everybody thought you should
1: you know i think that uh, the game has changed dramatically um I think that the lack of time in the off season has been a little detrimental to the game I, just the details of, of uh, the position at all positions uh has suffered somewhat. I think there's a lot of poor tackling uh, uh yeah watch linebackers and their missed run fits and you know just from a coach's standpoint, when you look at it at this point in the season, Mike, uh football's much better than it was in the first eight weeks. You know they finally have played themselves into pretty good football. I'm talking about throughout the league, but in terms of passing, um, you know, I think that uh, there are just so many good quarterbacks and receivers, you know, way more than when we were playing, you know, back in the nineties and in that era, it just, just seems like just about every team's got a quarterback that's really good. And there's just so much speed and size at wide receiver out there. It's kind of incredible.
0: You know, and I think you had a lot to do with that. Um, once players started to see the success of what you were able to do with Marshall and Kirk and Isaac and Torrey, uh, other teams started to go in that direction. But the kids started to see what an Isaac Bruce can do. The kids started to see that Marshall Falk could catch passes out of the backfield. So now you go one generation forward and all those kids who are watching you and watching and the coaches that were watching you, they've now added a little water to it. They've grown a little bit. And hence, we have today's modern game football thanks to you and Kurt and, and Marshall and offensive linemen and everybody else that was part of that greatest show on Turf team.
1: You know, Mike, we, I appreciate that. We had so many smart guys. And and it was, I think the key uh, in all that for us was um, we weren't afraid afraid to do things that were different. So we created stuff every week. But you can't do that if it's not embraced by those players and they're not capable of doing that. We could. We could go into the room and come up with some things and ask Kirk to do it on Wednesday's practice. And by the time we got to Friday, even though it was completely different, he mastered it was excellent at it. Just, you know, those players are rare. They don't come along very often. And we had those kind of guys.
0: You, you know, I'm going to go back to something you just said. We had some smart guys. And, and you watch the players today, and they say they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. But I don't know if – and you've coached a long time. I don't know if you've ever been in a room, a coaching room, with that many guys who had the football intellect that they possessed to apply with their physical skill set. Have you ever been surrounded by that many people who got in mentally and also physically at the same time?
1: No, and I, and I think a, a big deal was just before the social media thing just broke out. So all mm-hmm. the distractions that that, that that brings, they were so focused and so passionate about what we were doing you know, they couldn't wait to, to see the game plan on Wednesday. You know, they were leaning forward in their season ready to go. And and I don't know today, you know, with the social media, there, it's such a distraction to, you know, what happens in practice is online. It's just uh, it's tweeted about, this is tweeted about. And there's just so many distractions to that kind of passion and commitment. It's, it's hard. I mean, you have to be a special personality. And we just had a lot of selfless guys, a lot of unselfish players that, You know, it was more important to them that the guy next to them have success and, you know, they did everything to help each other, which is really unusual.
0: Yeah, that that was a group that really didn't care about the individual awards player of the week or MVP or any of that. They just looked at those W's and those L's and they wanted to make sure they were playing the last game of the year and and you had that sort of success with them. Hey, you know, um, Chris Sims said something recently on NBC that the Kansas City Chief Offense, is perhaps the greatest ever and i'm assuming chris was too young to remember the greatest show on turf because had he said had he had he wa- had a chance to watch he would know that might be an incorrect statement but with that said i certainly give the chiefs their credit and what they've been able to do in this era do you see any similarities between what you were able to coach up compared to what andy reed and eric v have to work with
1: well i think the only correlation is that they're not afraid to be different you know what i mean they they do a lot of different things every week and challenge them. And, and I think that's really healthy and good. But they and they have those guys that embrace that, fortunately. Like the quarterback, Mahomes, he does that. So uh, were they better than what we were? Boy, I don't, you know, I'm biased, obviously. Uh, I think that throughout the offense, we had more guys involved than perhaps they do. Um, But I sure as hell would like to play them with that group. I really would. (laughs)
0: That would be. We have to get uh, some computer game to get that one going and have you dialing up plays, which reminds me, you you touched on practice. And that was a time when you'd even let us come watch. I remember watching practices where the ball never hit the ground. And I don't know if that happens as much today because I don't have a chance to watch NFL practices. But what was that like for you as a coach? Did you have more fun putting the game plan together and coaching guys up during the course of the week? Or was it the fact you were on the sideline on Sunday, you were going up against somebody else? Because you were really in a great situation having all that talent. And as you mentioned, guys just couldn't wait for Wednesday to get here.
1: You know, we coached to beat ourselves in in that. I mean, we, we were trying to beat whatever standard we had set. In the past, and, and we, it wasn't so much about who we were playing, but how good we could be, and, and we were trying to achieve perfection. you know guys, we talked to guys you know winning a Super Bowl wasn't so much important as it was being the best ever you know as a team and as a player, and that was what we were chasing every day And, in you know, a practice and, and we practiced we told the players this, and you saw us the way we practice. practice was harder than the games physically. True. You know the yeah. conditioning of it, the speed of it. We went like crazy during the week, and it, uh, when when game day came around, you know that was nothing to them. They they were conditioned, and particularly Wednesday and Thursday. But those three days, you know, when when they came out the practice field, we didn't have to condition anybody.
0: And, and you know, one of the things, and we're talking about passing here. I, I guess I should remind everybody, you had a pretty good running game too. That started with number twenty eight. and and that offensive line gave him the holes it protected kurt uh maybe one of the most unsung areas of the game and we see it now in the nfl and you showed me a bad offensive line i'm gonna show you a quarterback that's gonna be dirty quite a bit that day that that hasn't changed very much but you had a very unique offensive line starting with orlando pace
1: well we did and and they're kind of unheralded you know you look at orlando when i got there uh, in 99, he was the only starter from the previous year. We had uh, we had a couple, for a first and a second rounder, I won't tell you who they were but, you, you know, we moved them out of there and we replaced them with guys that were competitors. You know, just guys that you know, they just, they had that personality that we're looking for, you know and, um, you know, we ended up the center was undersized, you know, left the left guard was over in Europe and he had that neck fusion and we got a, a young player from Green Bay at the right guard and You know, we moved the center out to right tackle. These guys were, nobody knew who they were. And yet they blended together and they competed so well that, uh, and Timmerman really kind of became the, our right guard became, Adam Timmerman became the leader of that group. But um, he held everything together. I remember talking to Adam Timmerman, you know, towards the end of my stay there. And I was really concerned about him because I knew he was going to have to have two surgeries at the end of the year. This was about maybe week 10 or 11. And, I told Adam in nine on seven, because we didn't padicate practice. You, you saw us practice. We went at it hard and mm-hmm. physical. Yep. And I, told, and I told Adam, why don't you stay out of this drill? And I, I could tell his shoulder and his knee were really hurting him. Mean, so why don't you stay out of this drill today and tomorrow? And he looked at me and said, I can't do that. I said, yeah, you can. Just, he said, no, I can't. He said, uh, if well, I got these pads on, I'm practicing. That was that.
0: <laughs> Leading by example for sure. Hey, you know, Kurt, uh, everybody knows this story, he's a Hall of Famer, uh, and you coach a lot of quarterbacks. Was there ever more acroba- uh, accurate quarterback than Kurt Warner? And the reason why I ask the question, when you watch the highlights, there was never a receiver that had to make a sensational acrobatic catch. It was always right in the numbers where they never had to go out of stride or anything. And that says a lot about his accuracy you coached a lot of them. How high how, how on the totem pole was he when it came to accuracy?
1: i tell you where he was really maybe the best I've ever seen in the league was his anticipation and what he could mm. see and respond to in a fraction. And that's the key for greatness to at that position, are those guys that what they see they can internalize immediately and make a decision to get the ball out of their class. And he was very accurate. Probably the most accurate was probably Mark Bolcher. I've never seen anybody pinpoint the ball, especially deep balls. You know, some of the throws that he made, I, I just had shook my head. I said, how did he do that? But <laughs> if you go back to Kurt, you should remember the Super Bowl. You know, he throws a slant. When he, you look at it from the the ground level, from the end zone, from the defensive side, you can't see him. You see the receiver running the slant. You see a defensive lineman coming in on him, and he throws the ball side on him, but you can never see him. He didn't even see the receiver, and he hits him in that full stride. His courage and his ability to get the ball out so fast is really unique in this league.
0: We're visiting with Mike Marks, longtime NFL coach and uh, a guy that this game could certainly use uh, when it comes to your mind. So you mentioned you've done some consulting. Um, are you surprised that more people don't knock on your door and, and just kind of pick your brain? Or maybe they do, because you are a wealth of knowledge. And you and I had so many great visits about people like Sid Gilman and Don Coriel. And, and you're that guy now. So how often do you have a chance to, to bestow the knowledge that you've been able to ascertain and, and these coaches and even maybe players or quarterbacks are willing to take in and, and try and carry it on?
1: You know, it doesn't come up very often. I think today's game, uh, terminology-wise, and I think guys are so involved with what they do and view it as being different than perhaps what we did. But um, it doesn't happen very often. I understand that because they're just so focused on where they're going with it. And I think maybe to talk about what we did is kind of looking back instead of forward. But I will say this, and I say this with great pride, and it's the only thing I think we'd brag about is, there's a lot happening in this league in the passing game that we kind of brought in with our staff. Uh, the Bullets play, the, you know, the 90 flip. Uh, There's just a lot of those kinds of things that our guys were creative with that uh, are still, you know, you see them in everybody's offense today.
0: 90 flip, man. When you give it to Marshall out there on the wing, it's, it's all – and, and I'll go back to one game, the game in Tennessee during a regular season. Remember the second half starts. You go with ninety flip, and the next thing you know, the Rams are back in it. Miss out on a yeah. field goal at the end of the game, but as good of a regular season game as I've ever seen it when it came to a St. Louis team.
1: Well, it was a heck of a comeback. You know, they were, they blanked us at halftime. It was twenty-one to nothing, or we can and we came out twenty-four
0: of it, nothing.
1: Yeah, twenty-four nothing, and we got the ball in the end zone right away. And yeah, they came back. We came back very, very strong. But it was a. Uh, the thing about our guys is it didn't make any difference what the score was. You know, you look at the clock, there's three minutes, and when you score three touchdowns, we're going to figure out a way to do it. You just never felt like we couldn't get it done.
0: We have a chance today to visit with Richard Mark, the chairman and president of Ameren, Illinois. And, Richard, considering how many people that are working from home and you have families at home as well, a lot of electricity is being used and a lot of power is being used and there are still ways to save the best way to save energy is don't use it and so not only reminding our children and ourselves to turn lights off but in this day and age to turn our electronic appliances off our electronic devices off when you charge your cell phone and then you unplug it from your phone if it's still plugged into a wall socket uh, if it does not have some type of smart switch that you have it plugged into, that energy is still being used. So people don't realize all of the ways that they're still using energy. With the holidays right around the corner, give Munganas Alton Toyota a call about renting a vehicle from their lot. You can give them a call at 618-208-2400 for more information and check them out at 850 Homer Adams Parkway in Alton, Illinois. Mike Warren here with Ryan Kelly and Ryan buying a home is a really big deal. Give me some advice for those folks who are looking to buy a home. Get pre-approved and get pre-approved early in the process. In fact, if you're even considering buying a home, get pre-approved today at thehomeloanexpert.com. Hey, for you, when you watch games now, And you see sprinkles of what you and your crew were able to develop. How long does it take for you to sit there and figure out what's going to be next as far as a play selection or or as far as what you see defensively on what you would call?
1: I think defense uh, at the end of the year, because there's no camp to speak of and no offseason, defenses were horrible. They played a lot of simple man coverage and simple fronts, and and, uh, they couldn't teach enough. Because you have, cause you don't know enough about the offense at this point. Now, defenses have really accelerated in what they're doing. There's a lot of disguises going on and just a, a lot of things that uh, we didn't see earlier in the year. But I think the trend in the NFL, and I think it's a very healthy trend, is back to the running game. I think you'll see more rushes and slowing the game down a little bit. And uh, it puts defenses more on their heels now. They've got to account for that. In the old days, you know, the first thing you did against a good back is you took him away before you did anything in the passing game. And I think the league got away from that a little bit, but I think it's back. And I think the the running game is where it needs to be. Uh, guys are really involved with it more. I think uh, I do believe that the, a lot of the shotgun stuff is, is healthy, but I do believe that most of it will still stay under the center. But I, th- I see running backs being more involved in the offenses than perhaps maybe the last five or six years.
0: For you, uh, what teams do you like to watch play, and what players, be a quarterback or a receiver, do you enjoy watching, and maybe reminds you of a player that you coached or a guy who would be close to what you had on, on your rosters? So, who are some of the teams, and who are some of the players you enjoy?
1: I always watch Green Bay, you know, just because you know he's just such an enigma. He just he's we're watching greatness when you watch him at quarterback. Um, But I think really the team I really try to watch as often as I can are the Buffalo Bills. I just think they're just an outstanding team overall. And the the, the development of Josh Allen, uh, you know, he is a prototypical quarterback. He's huge. He's a big guy that can run. He's he's smart. He's got all the throws. And, you know, he's developed into that great player. I really like watching them play. I think they're going to be there in the last game, to be honest with you. I think that they've got a great chance of beating the Chiefs um but I, and i love watching the chiefs you know i love watching herbert san diego chargers not because they're a good team but i think he's a special player
0: yeah and you know he was a guy that kind of got lost in the shuffle for the draft uh and they were going to bring him along slowly tyrod taylor goes down and the rest is history and the way he's embraced that offense and as you mentioned a lot a lot of practice time this year as far as the off season, no mini camps or any of that stuff so this is on instinct and common sense, I would think, for him. And he just has such a tremendous upside.
1: I tell you what he does better than most guys, other than perhaps Rodgers and Mahomes, is he's like Kurt in that um, he's a yeah, he's very big. Obviously, he's a very large quarterback. But what he can see and react to quickly, and he's the, the game is not too big for him. The, the situation, he's just unnerved. He just is cool and... Um, I just love watching from that respect because you never, you never, when you watch him play, just never figure they're going to be out of as long as he's in the huddle.
0: You know, um, I, I was talking to a defensive coordinator who coached against you, and we, yeah, I brought your name up, and he said, you know what? That guy's ego is almost as big as mine, which is why I love coaching against him, because he's thinking what I'm thinking and I'm thinking what he's thinking. And we both think that we can't be out. Thunk and it was so hilarious to hear him talk about you in that manner. What, who were some of the coaches, those defensive coordinators that really got you worked up because you knew you were going to be in for a pretty good Sunday and you were going to have a few surprises for him as well?
1: You know, I never really looked at it like that. Um, I never looked at it as a personal matchup between me and a coordinator. I, I always looked at uh, the last thing I would do before I go to the stadium on game day is I would go to my office very early in the morning and and look at games and just try to get a, a feel for situations and how this personality might respond to it. But um, I was more concerned about, you know, their personality. You know, for instance, uh, Tampa Bay, you know, I knew that if you hit a big ball, they're just going to blitz the hell out of you. You know, mm-hmm. they, you just kind of sensed that that was coming. And, you know, if you can get a beat on what they're going to do, then you can't go to work. Uh, I think that um, Jimmy Moore, young Jimmy Moore, when he was at the 49ers when we played him, he threw me the biggest curveball. He showed up and played some defenses that they hadn't played all year. And I learned from that. And they were, they'd never played cover two. And cover two is not a big deal. But when you, when you do all your preparation for blitzes, because he was a blitzaholic at the time in the zone dog stuff, and cover three and man, and all of a sudden the cover two is in there. It's a completely different dilemma in the running game and the passing game. So I learned from that that when you go into a game, you keep a large, large preparation list of plays that can account for those things because if you have to move over to that and change and turn and the game, you can. So so that and that's why we always had such a big uh, playlist. And it wasn't an ego thing as much as I just didn't want to let the players down. You know, I wanted to have an answer for them if we saw something that was, you know, uh, suspicious or different than what we'd seen in the past. We've had guys, you know, I remember playing Atlanta and there was a first time coordinator down there and he was quoted that week as saying he knew how he, how to beat the Rams. I was really curious, and sure enough, in are making what our personnel grouping is. He was going, he took nickel and just blitzed us on every snap for the first ten or twelve plays. And we were in regular personnel, and I said, "Well, that's what it's going to be. We're just going to go our, all of our third down offense." So we just went to two minute third down offense, and uh, we just and the ball went down the field so fast, to make a hit spin. So, but we couldn't do that. We couldn't do that if our players weren't used to that kind of a change. And we just took the whole game plan and just threw it away. It went back to elements of what we had every week. And I think that's the best thing a guy can do is a play, as a play caller on both sides of the ball. If you have to change gears completely, you have to be able to do that. And your players have got to be tuned into that. If you can do that, and I think that's what Bill Belichick does better than anybody in the way. I think that's what Pete does up in Seattle is, uh, real well as well. I think that's something at that the Rams that Sean McVay is going to have to learn because they're married to what they do, and I think they, they you know, the squeeze down sets and a lot of what they do, with, you know, and they get forced out of that and they get stopped. They, they don't. He just doesn't change gears to something else, and I think in time he'll do that. But he's a great coach, and I, I think he does a great job of teaching. But those are the guys I think that's the first thing in terms of having success is a play call on either side of the ball is your ability to change gears and look to something else
0: and, and you know I guess it also goes back to coaching and teaching in practice to be prepared for anything and while you may run some plays in practice it may not be what the game plan might dictate you always have to make sure the muscle memory would be there I would think
1: yeah, and you know, we told the players all the time, we would remind them that if we have practiced it sometime in your tenure year, you're, you're responsible for knowing it. Mm-hmm. For instance, that that pass in the Super Bowl to Isaac Bruce, that wasn't on the game plan. You know, the touchdown at the end of the game. That was not on our game plan. We hadn't practiced that probably in five or six weeks. Or it hadn't been in the game plan for five or six weeks. But it was the right call for the right time. I and mean, they just they executed it flawlessly you know, because they've practiced it, they've internalized it. Um, you know, we make them draw up the plays and write all the things every week, no matter how many plays there are. If there's 200, then they got to do that. Yeah, you know, so and it, it's not redundant. Even though it is redundant to some extent, you know, we, we still treat a play each week. If it's the 10th week in a row it's in there, we, we address it that week if it's a, as if it's the first week when we prepare. So, you know, it should just be a reaction instead of having to think about it. And hopefully... If you do your job of teaching, that's where it will be.
0: You mentioned uh, not letting your players down. Uh, there's a lot of trust that goes into coaching <clears throat> and playing. If if a coach trusts his players and the players trust his coach in making the right decisions, it's a pretty good marriage to have. And for you, as you you said, you'd rather be over-prepared than underprepared. How much did that? sprinkle out to your players with regard to their ability to be prepared uh, because they saw you and once they had success they trusted you even more no matter what the situation called for so for you how important was it for them to buy in early
1: well i think mike we would challenge him every week mentally my college coach daryl rogers told me it's important Just is important to challenge them mentally as it is physically even though um the easiest way out would be to have a simple game plan for anybody, you know, and just get really good at it, which is the old school of thought. And he says, you got to challenge it, Mike, no. And, and there, there were times when we had more than we needed, certainly, but it kept them focused. You know, the mental gymnastics that you have to go through, is, is particularly when something that's a little bit new, is difficult. But I always felt like um, they were always energized with new things. They loved doing new things. Um, They love being different than everybody else. They really embrace that aspect of it. And, you know, the ego part of it for me wasn't I'm smarter than somebody else because that's certainly not the case. The ego part for me would be I'm going to take mine against yours and I'm going to whip your ass and there's nothing you can do about it. That's the ego part for me.
0: And it worked. It, it, no, 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 that, that 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 certainly worked. Hey, hey, Mike. For you, uh so so many good memories in St. Louis. I'm sure for you, winning a Super Bowl, getting back to another one, coaching so many players. It, it looks like you're gonna have another Hall of Famer coming on board, and Torrey Holt here down the road. What what's the one memory that you take away from St. Louis, whether it's a practice or a game or whatever? Because uh you were a fun person to be around. Uh, and you and, and your coaches and your players really made football fun for St. Louisans?
1: Well, it's hard to explain. Every time I would walk into that stadium, you know, for the kickoff after we've warmed up and everything, uh, there's a smell to that stadium. I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. There's a smell in there that just all of a sudden just absolutely perks you up and it's unique to that stadium there's a, just a feel to it it was darker in there than most stadiums which was really cool you know and, and just being on that sideline walking out there and, and coming into that stadium on other teams it was an eerie feeling for me but just standing on that sideline was a, it just felt so natural and good um, and watching these players and the smile on the face when they come off the field uh, there's so many great moments um, maybe one of my favorite games of all time was our win over Seattle up there, I think in 4 We, we weren't a real good team, but we beat them three times that year. And we were down by a ton of points, I think 24 to 7.5, and we came back and beat them in overtime. And then Tony La Russa called me. They were... They were getting ready. I think it was a pennant race, and uh, we got. his players, players wouldn't take uh, infield un, until they saw the end of the game in <laughs> the locker room. <laughs> Tony <laughs> called the stadium up there in Seattle and got a hold of me after the game, and and I could hear all the, the players, you know, um, the Cardinal players in the background screaming and yelling as they're going out to the field. You know, they enjoyed the win. The closeness of of the teams there in the community was unmatched this league.
0: Hey, for you, uh, you, you coach so many good players and you coach with some good players. Give me your thoughts on Jim Hannafin and what he meant to you.
1: You know, uh, there's a little story I'll tell you and it kind of sums it up. John Matsko came in after camp up in Macomb. It was about our camp day of practice. It's hot, muggy, miserable. And it's just, and we, it's the dog days of camp, you know, that goes, you know, it's just a miserable. And, and Jim is like a machine. He's, he's just going hundred miles an hour. He didn't slow down. And, and Maskell came over, and, is he on drugs? I said, what? <laughs> he said, he's got to be taking drugs. I, I can't keep up with him. He just, he's, he's, he's a machine. I can't keep up with him. That was Jim. He just uh, had so much great passion and love for the game and those players. He just there was he, he had no down moments. He just he, he just went 100 percent. And I've never seen a coach in the field that could match his energy.
0: Hey, Mike, uh, I, you know, normally they would tell me we're out of time, but we're not out of time. But well, I don't want to take up all of your time for the day. But, man, this has been a treat for me and certainly our listeners to have a chance to reminisce a little bit and just hear what you're doing. And. Why you're not more in the game is a mystery to me. I know you're retired, at least that's what the air quotes would say. But I bet if somebody gave old Mike Martin a call and said, "Hey, I need you to do this or do that," and and it'll be your Cadillac to drive, I bet we can coach you out of it.
1: <laughs> Maybe so, but they have to. They might. They have to get me off of Torrey Pines if, if it's in the morning. I can say that. <laughs>
0: yeah. So the golf game has gotten better, is what you're saying, huh? No, it
1: hasn't gotten any better, but I'm enjoying it more. There
0: you go. There you go. Well, hey Mike, as always, it's great to visit with you. We'll do this again. Uh best of luck to you and the podcast with Ron Pitts. Where can we find it at so everybody else can be a little smarter after they listen to you too?
1: Well, it's called the Run It Again podcast. And we're we're you your Podcast. I'm treating you into it, but it's uh it's a lot of fun to do. And now it's you can see it as well. They posted it. Um I can't remember how you do all that stuff. I don't know anything about that, but you know, you can watch it as well. So um, it's called Run It Again Podcast, and it's Ron Pitts and Mike Bartz.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to keeping that on my things to do list. More importantly, it's great to visit with you. Give Julie and the family our best and uh, take care of yourself. And and hopefully when we play baseball this year, we we'll get out to San Diego, and we'll grab a bite.
1: That'd be great, Mike. I sure appreciate having me.
0: Thank you, sir. Have a great new year and stay safe.
1: You bet. You too, Mike. Thank you.
0: All right. He's Mike Martz. I'm Mike Claiborne. It's the podcast on clavesonline.com and KMOX radio. We'll be back after this. Hey, Mike, thanks again, sir.
1: Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. All right. Take care.
0: God bless you, sir. We'll be in touch. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.